Hey guys, this is Steve from IndieWrestlingintl.wordpress.com. Today we have a super awesome guest. We have Brett Waterdale. He is from GCW Wrestling. Uh, I absolutely love GCW Wrestling. Uh, this weekend on uh, August 16th, August 16th in Howell, New, New Jersey, they are presenting the Nick Gage Invitational 2 Deathmatch Tournament. This is going to have guys like Matt Tremont, Daisuke Masaukau from Freedoms, Miedo Extremo, Cyclope from DTU, and then other GCW. GCW standards like Nick Gage, G Raver, and Schlack. Um, I'm super excited. So uh, today we have Brett, and I'm going to be talking about the origins of GCW, where it stands now, and where it is going forward. Before we start, Brett, can you just tell us what is your history and memories inside of the wrestling sling, sling business, and how did you become involved with GCW? I'm like 99.9% .9 of everybody else. You know, I just grew up a fan from as early as I can remember and, um, you know, watched as much wrestling as I could. And over the years, um, you know, the my interest in wrestling just kind of evolved, you know, from um, just liking watching matches and promos and, you know, interviews and all that stuff to actually like being a fan of the actual business of the business. I've done like the full evolution as a wrestling fan and then it's kind of taken uh taken the full you know again the the full evolution to becoming now you know a promoter um but um yeah so I'm just you know a diehard passionate fan who now gets to work in the business and um as far as my involvement with GCW goes um I guess it's kind of a long story but also so a short story. Um, basically, uh, I mean, you know, I was a referee for many years. Uh, I refereed for CZW um, and, you know, lots of other companies as well and made a lot of friends and connections over the years. One of my earliest friends um, on the independent wrestling circuit uh, was Danny DeMonte, um, who is, you know, an independent wrestler from New York. Um, and I lived in New York at the time. This was probably back in 2005, 2006. So Danny was one of my first friends in independent wrestling. And we actually became pretty good friends because we lived pretty close together. And we uh, we hung out a lot outside of wrestling shows. So he was somebody I got to know from the start. Uh, fast forward many years. And, you know, he had his run in CZW, which is where, again, we kind of got to work a lot uh, closer for you know, a period of time. Um, and then, you know, he exits and goes back to doing his thing. And I, and, you know, I'm doing my thing. Um, fast forward a couple more years and he's involved in the promotion, um, you know, Jersey championship wrestling, JCW, which was owned by his, one of his good friends, longtime friends, Ricky O, Ricky Otazu. So Ricky was a promoter in New Jersey for years, going back to the nineties, just like an old school, uh, for lack of a better term, almost carny promoter. And I mean that if Ricky was listening to this, he would know I mean that as a term of endearment. Um, just an old school promoter who, you know, learned from, he started from the bottom, learned from the best, um, and learned all the tricks of the trade over the years. And, you know, he actually made quite an impact here in New Jersey um, back in the 90s. And moving forward through the early 2000s, he took 2000s, and he took several breaks along the way. So again, fast forwarding, I don't know, I think it was maybe around 2011 or 2012, he brought back JCW Jersey Championship Wrestling, 
um, and he brought Danny DeMonto aboard, um, you know, as part of his team, I guess you'd call it management. And I know Danny was helping to do booking and doing and wrestling and this and that. And as again, you know, as the years went by 2013, 14, um, Danny kind of took a bigger role at JCW, um, to the point where, you know, he pretty much was, was running the ship for the most part. Um, and in the meantime, I was no longer working for CZW and I was kind of looking for my chance to move up in the wrestling world and be more creative and be more hands-on and put all my experience to, to use. So kind of there was, uh, the planets kind of aligned. Um, we had Nick Gage, who is one of my, you know, one of my good close personal friends for many years, who was of course coming out of prison in 2015 and, you know, something that me and Danny had always talked about was uh, someday when uh, someday we should do a deathmatch tournament. And, um, you know, again, the planets aligned and then Nick was coming out and Nick being one of my friends was always down to work with me on a, you know, a side project. And that was where the idea of the Nick Age Invitational uh, one first came about. And of course, this is 2015. So. You know, me and, and Nick kind of approached Danny and we, you know, we knew that he had the backing of JCW, which, you know, had a ring and money and um, a backer and, you know, a crew that could that could provide support for us to put this event on and a banner to do it under, which at the time was JCW. Um, so NGI one was my first involvement with my first direct involvement with JCW. Um, and of course we all know how that vet event went, even without Nick, who of course, uh, was unable to be there. It was a very memorable event, um, which lots of people credit with kind of being the, uh, kind of the, a renaissance of sorts for deathmatch wrestling and also the rebirth of deathmatch wrestling here in the United States. Um, so that was my first involvement. I helped book the show. I helped do a lot of the promotion, um, planning, logistics, all that stuff. Um, and it was a good success. Everybody made money. Lots of fans came and the fans loved it. Um, and that was the book on that one. So fast forward again, I, I wasn't part of the team yet. I just, my only involvement with JCW was that event. Um, so fast forwarding another, you know, Nick's gone now again, but on the horizon, we come up to 2016 and me and Danny are talking, Hey, let's do this again. Nick's not around. So. Then Zandig comes into play. I have a relationship with Zandig. An event came into place, which I'm sure we'll touch on later. But just again, kind of to fast forward and wrap this up. June 2016 was the point where I kind of jumped on board full-fledged full with um, JCW slash GCW. And of course, there was the name change in there, which is a whole other story, which probably isn't interesting. But at some point between 2015 and 2016, JCW became Game Changer Wrestling, which is what we know it as today. Wow, so awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, that answers a lot of my questions there. Now, um, in doing research, because for me, GCW really came on the scene out of nowhere. And yeah. uh, I'll, I'll get into the talent in a moment. But one thing I kind of figured out is that you guys run at the Game Changer World music venue, right? Yep. So Game Changer World is it's it's primarily a concert venue. It's in central New Jersey. Um, you know, they have, um, you know, mid-level concerts there, lower-level concerts, you know, acts that are that are just coming up. Um, and they also have some established acts, too. I mean, they have 
um, you know, a lot of rap concerts, heavy metal concerts there. But uh, it's a nice venue, and we're the only ones that, you know, that do wrestling there. And that's our home. Um, now, you mentioned um, the deathmatch scene is, you know, GCW is, I would say, mostly known for the uh, the deathmatches. But the first year or so, if you watch the cards, it's, uh, it's a lot of guys from ECW, WCW, WWE, guys like Scott Steiner and stuff. And it wasn't until the first tur- the first tournament of survival with uh you know the Zan- the the Zandig uh TOS and specifically the September 2016 yeah. show Bloodlust that the death matches and the death match veterans became the uh uh the focus what was the the mindset when you said okay let's shift our focus from here to there well honestly there wasn't uh there wasn't that much to it it's pretty simple um as i kind of um explain just a little bit in my opening uh 20 minute answer um i wasn't really involved it was ricky o and danny that were running um jc uh jcw and uh we'll just call it game changer wrestling i guess from up until you know june of 2016 other than the ngi that was my only involvement before that come tournament of survival one that was my first show where it was like, all right, this is now going to be me and Danny and the whole company is going to change. Before I was involved, it was still run as like an old school uh, New Jersey indie mentality. They weren't there to do anything dramatic. They were just there to just kind of have shows. And Ricky was making his money on the little things he was doing. And Danny was doing the same. They weren't there. to. It wasn't they weren't on a mission to do anything serious they were just kind of doing it for fun so there was no there was no emphasis one way or the other they were just having shows to have shows um and you know not that they weren't doing good things there was great talent there but there was it was there was a different mentality when i came on board um you know i brought my vision and combined it with the the ideas that me and danny had talked about for years away from gcw and you know it was just kind of a there was no there wasn't really much to it it was just hey how about we do this from now on and that was kind of it it was just everything changed ricky kind of just was uh ricky who was the money guy at the time and again the owner he kind of said whatever do whatever you guys want to do he trusted in us to do whatever we want to do and he kind of took a step back and me and Danny kind of just changed everything. So GCW went overnight from being kind of a, you know, a a small time old school fed to being a let's fucking change the game fed. Um, so that's kind of why you see that dramatic shift overnight, um, you know, starting in June of 2016 with the first tournament of survival. And I don't know if you're I don't know. Uh, if it'll get a chance to come up again in another question that you're going to ask. But just to clarify, um, in December of 2016, um, Ricky O stepped away permanently and sold the company to me and Danny. Um, and you know now it's now it's me and Danny who are the sole sole owners of GCW. So that's kind of I don't know if that helps to answer your question there, but um, that's the that's explains the the change in the in the styles awesome now um uh one of the things that immediately like when i was reading you know as the indie 
Facebook groups are talking. The one thing about GCW that made me go, I need to watch one of these videos, is that you're seeing guys who you haven't seen in a while, like Nate Hatred, Supreme, Homeless Jimmy, Sexy Eddie. You're bringing back a lot of guys who I haven't seen in a, in a long, long time. Uh, what specific type of fan do you are like? Are, are you trying to bring in a specific type of fan when you book these talents? Well, I mean, it's. I don't want to call us. I don't want to limit us by saying that we're just a deathmatch company, but at heart, that's that's what drives our fan base, and that's what makes us unique right now. So, if you were to ask me who our target base is and our target fans, it is the hardcore deathmatch fan, and um, I don't think that that you know deathmatch should be limited just to a certain era or a certain generation. We wanted to do something different and do something that would get people's attention. And the way to do that was to bring in some of these, these, you know, uh, old school faces or, you know, legends as they are who haven't been seen in a while and kind of give people a chance to drum up, you know, memories and nostalgia. And again, offer something different at Game Changer Wrestling that nobody else is really doing. So guys like Homeless Jimmy and Supreme and Nate Hatred, they're there to get people's attention. And, you know, you may come to see some legends that you remember seeing years and years ago, but well, this, at the same time, you're going to see the next generation, which is what's going to make you come back. So that's the philosophy with having those kind of guys on our shows. Awesome. Now, uh, in the summer of 2016, we all saw Zandig, you know, Zandig, uh, uh, he came back to be involved with the first tournament of survival. It was even dubbed Zandig's T-O-O-S. That was the summer deathmatch tournament of 2016. Well, Nick Gage wasn't, you know, he was gone. Uh, what does Zandig have to do with GCW currently, and, and what effect does he have on the locker room when he, he is there? Okay. Um, so, you know, I worked for Zandig for several years when I worked for CZW. And, you know, I don't want to say that I was close with him, but, um, you know, I think that he understood during the years that I did work for him that I was very passionate about about CZW and very passionate about death matches. So I think um, that I was somebody that, you know, um, he remembered. I wasn't somebody, you know, that when he stepped away that I would just kind of, you know, be erased from his memory like a lot of people were. Um, so. You know, he left CZW, he sold it in 2009, and for the most part, he faded, you know, he, he just kind of um, went back to real life for many years, you know, minus a couple ins and outs, um, brief appearances here and there. Um, so, in early 2016, um, there was talk amongst, like, our inner circles, the deathmatch circles, and the, specifically the northeast circles that John was looking to do something. Um, you know, there wasn't necessarily any specifics. It was just, John wants to do something. So, again, having my relationship with Danny, um, who, again, this is before I'm fully involved at Game Changer Wrestling, I said to him, hey, if I was able to get a hold of Zandig and do something like we did with, with Gage for the NGI, you know, would you want to do it? And, of course, he said it. You know, yeah, let's go hook it up. So, you know, I always had Zandig's phone number. I'd always known how to get in touch with him if I needed to. 
Um, and upon hearing those rumors, it, you know, I reached out to him, sent text messages, Facebook messages, and phone calls. And after about the 20th try, I finally got a call back. And um, he invited me to come over and tell him what, you know, what I had in mind. And basically, you know, the idea was, let's do a John Zandig deathmatch tournament here at GCW. And let's make it awesome. And he liked the idea and the proposal that I, I put out to him. And he said, let's, go, let's do it. So that was how Tournament of Survival 1 came to be. Um, so as for Zandig's relationship with GCW now... Um, you know, he's not part of ownership and he's he's not the promoter, but what I like to consider John to be is a partner. And what that means is the door is always open for John at GCW. He can come and, and be a part of every show if he wants, or he can wait for the annual tournament of survival, which is, you know, uh, kind of where we've we've uh, agreed that, you know, until John decides he doesn't want to be involved anymore, we're gonna do this thing every year. Um and that's kind of where it's at with John. So he could pop up any show. He might pop up this weekend at the NGI if he's feeling up to it. Or he may take a couple months. We might see him somewhere later in the year or early next year before Tournament of Survival. But, um, you know, we all respect him and we all love having him around. So the door is always open to John anytime he wants to come in. Um, <clears throat> as for what he means for the locker room, when when John's at an event, uh, John has an aura to him. Um, he carries an aura. When he walks in the locker room or when he pulls up in the parking lot, um, he commands attention and he commands respect. Um, everybody that's in that locker room, whether it's one of the old school guys, you know, one of the veteran deathmatch guys, or whether it's one of the new generation, they've all looked up to John at some point in their career. Um, and I mean, he is... You know, he's an icon and he's a legend and the way that he carries himself, you know, and the way that he's always done business is kind of um, he's always been about loyalty and um, passion and commitment to whatever whatever team he's on. And what I've seen always from the old school guys who were around before me, who knew John before I did him, they're all guys that would take a bullet for him. And I think the feeling's mutual. John would have taken a bullet for any one of his guys. And all the young guys kind of have heard the stories over the years. And they know what the deal is. And they've all looked up to John. And a lot of them have all dreamed of working for him one day. So when he comes in the locker room, it's, it's you know, things are a little different. People all want to be on their A game. Not, to, not that they're ever not on their A game at GCW. But everybody wants to make sure John knows who they are. So it's good to have John around. He fires people up. Awesome. And uh, so for those, I'm sure that people have seen it. It's like one of the most famous deathmatch clips of the past couple of years. At the first TOS in 2016, Joey, Janela, and Zandig, they had a match. And they came off the roof of the building, kind of kind of Nick Mondo style. When you see these yep. guys come off the roof of the building through a flaming pit of glass and, 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 and shit – um, are you seeing this legendary moment or are you seeing possible lawsuits? Like what's going through your head as you see this? Um, that's a great question. Um, I'm seeing both. Um, I was standing literally, I was the closest person to the fall. I was right at the base of that truck on, at the back wheel as they hit, as they landed. Um, so I had the full view from 
looking up at the top of the roof to impact. Um, and I had both feelings going through my head the entire time. One feeling was, holy shit, this, these two dudes are about to make an iconic moment for my company. And this is about to be awesome. People are going to talk about this forever. And then also while I'm looking up and watching them about to jump, I'm also thinking, holy shit, I hope they don't get hurt. I hope they land in this truck and not on the pavement. Uh, uh, and I hope everybody's going to be okay. Uh, because, you know, if they don't and if they're not okay, it could be bad news. Um, so, yeah, I'm feeling a lot of emotions right there on both sides. But um, I, we knew what we were getting into with John, and he was very determined to do that that day. Nobody asked him to do that. That was his idea. And he was determined to rewrite history, as he said. So it was going to go down one way or the other. That was part of the deal. So awesome. That's and um, how it went. Yeah. cool. So moving on, jumping forward to kind of present day a little bit. This summer, you know, like you said, the NGI really seemed to have shot the deathmatch scene in the arm. Uh, now you have a lot of, of different deathmatch tournaments throughout the, the year. And, but I would say the, the two biggest ones are still definitely the uh, the TOS the and the CCW Tournament of, of Death. I would say those are the two biggest. This year they yeah. both fell within, I think, two weeks of each other with just a few-hour yeah. drive. Um, both of the shows, they went off without a hitch. They both did great business. Lots of people. They were, were both great tournaments. But you see, like, this rivalry among fans and stuff. Do you think – do you see CZW as a rival or do you think that the two promotions complement each other? Well, I don't see a rivalry between fans. And I know most of these – a lot of these fans because, you know, I've been going to shows every weekend for – a decade now, more than a decade, working as either whether being part of the show or being in the crowd. Um, I know most of these people, and and I talk to them, you know, and I meet I meet as many fans as I can. I don't think there's a rivalry amongst the fans. I think they love it. Um, however, I think there's definitely a perceived rivalry between the companies, and um, I would I would say. That they are definitely competition in some way, and there is definitely a rivalry in some way. Um, but I do think that some things are blown out of proportion, and maybe some things are underreported that go on. Um, but I can tell you that um, I don't have to agree with czw's business or um like some of the people that may be involved I, I don't have to like or agree with them to respect the company and be a big fan and supporter of czw i i was i worked for that company for many years and i you know without uh even at times i literally bled black and yellow for them and i love that company even even if they are now a, a competitor and a rival I'd like to see them do well, but I'd like to see us do better. So um, I think that competition is good. It drives both companies to do better. And um, to be honest with you, I think GCW right now is the best thing that could have happened to CZW because I think that they were getting complacent and lazy 
And I think CZW coming around and getting the, the fans' attention in this area um, forced CZW to wake up and change things up. And, um, and you know, step up their game for the fans just as we've stepped up our game for the fans. So I think competition's good and I think rivalry's good. And hopefully bad blood never, you know, there's no bad blood that develops that causes things to get truly ugly where then it becomes a bad thing. But right now I think everything's good. Awesome. Now, uh, as we mentioned before, GCW uh, is pretty you know, pretty popular for bringing in older deathmatch legends who you might not have seen in a while. But there's also a lot of great young talent there like Schlack, Marcus Crane. There's also Joey Janela, who's been in a lot of high-profile matchups. And, of course, Nick Gage. Without leaving anyone out, who would you say, you know, if a fan wanted to say who is the, who are the best guys I need to see, what answer would you give them? Um, well, Nick Gage is... is a legend and Matt Tremont is a legend. Those two are, in my opinion, um, at the end of the day, the best. However, um, there's a lot of guys who are must see guys right now who are on the rise and they will someday become those legends. And I would say, um, Marcus Crane is one of those guys. Um, I would say Jimmy Lloyd could be one of those guys. He has that same mentality and that spirit. Um, there's guys like Alex Cologne, there's the Reed Bentleys, there's John Wayne Murdoch's, um, there's the Vikings, um, and, and there's more. Um, but if I had to just pick one as like a guy who people might not know as well, who they should know, it would be Marcus Crane. He's a lunatic and he's tough and he's creative and, um, and he's also a true GCW soldier, so he would be the guy that I would I would name. Uh, Marcus Crane had what I thought was the best match of the whole tournament at TOS. He faced uh, the Japanese legend. I call him a legend. To me, he's my favorite wrestler right now, Masashi Taikeda, in the first round of the the Zande TOS two this summer. How did Takeda, like, what was the process of bringing Takeda in, and, like, who was the person who kind of put you in contact with him? Well, so we have, obviously, I don't speak Japanese, and Takeda and many of those Japanese guys don't speak English, so we always had to kind of find a middleman. Um, and I know, you know, I went through several people um, who have connections on both sides and who, you know, have the ability to translate. Um, I don't know if I should give the complete details on how these deals came into place, but one of our friends, one of my friends and a friend of GCW, um, who is a Japanese, um, wrestler has connections to a lot of them back in Japan. Um, so, you know, it's just mutual friends getting in touch and you know just basically making an offer and sealing a deal that's pretty much how it came to be um and the key really though was persistence because i got a lot of no's and a lot of maybes and questions and um the key is just to stick with it um and that's how takeda came to be 
Awesome. Now, uh, speaking of that, just as you were talking about how CZW maybe got a bit complacent and then GCW was able to take, you know, thrive in that, I feel like uh, right now in Japan, Freedoms is on fire for me as far as the death matches go. Um, uh, this week at the tournament, and then there's also the DTU connection with uh, the talent from Mexico. Right now, uh, there's a lot of DTU talent in uh, Japan with Freedoms. They're going to be coming in. And uh, you're also bringing in Daisuke Masaka, who is the current champion of, of, of Freedoms. And as far as I know, this will be the first time that talent from all three companies will be on one show. Uh, what hope do you have for the future of interacting with these two different companies? Okay. Um, well... I think it's I think it's become pretty clear what my hopes are and what my goals are. I I want um I want to be able to feature and work with the best companies in the world, the best deathmatch performers and deathmatch companies in the world. And Mexico is strong right now, you know, as you mentioned there's a lot of their guys who are not just, you know, outperforming themselves in mexico but they're getting called over to japan where they're killing it at freedoms and of course we're talking about guys like violento jack and miedo extremo and ciclope who are out of their minds they're lunatics and um they are awesome they're so creative and tough and they're kind of they're that that new wave of deathmatch wrestling that's just taking things to the next level um dtu is a is a cool company um I got to know the owner of DTU in Orlando this year when we did our show down there. We have mutual friends, and that was the connection there. Um, and we did our first tour with DTU in June, and it went pretty well. And again, we're going back next week. Um, Schlack and KTB are going to Mexico to wrestle for DTU as representatives of GCW. Um, so... DTU, I see, is, you know, our south of the border connection, and I like a lot of their talent, and I think we're going to see more of that their talent in GCW soon. Um, as far as Japan goes, I'm on the same page as you. Um, I think Freedoms is the, is the GCW equivalent of Japan. They're the guys that are kind of um, innovating, and they're committed to it, and, and they're fresh, and... Um, I think that they are setting the bar right now in Japan. And of course, there's Kasai there, who is a legend not only in Japan, but Kasai is, of course, a legend here in America as well. Um, not to take anything away from Big Japan, because I follow Big Japan very closely. And um, I love a lot of the things that they're doing. And of course, all the things that they did over the years. But um, Big Japan doesn't seem to be as. Um, uh, they don't seem to have as much interest in, in international talent as Freedoms does. So it's kind of a no-brainer that if I'm going to look for a partner in Japan, it's going to be Freedoms right now until I hear otherwise. Um, so my goal would be to work with Freedoms and DTU and see what we can develop. This NGI is very telling. I mean, it's pretty much mapped out. You're looking at an international deathmatch tournament here in the United States. So... Speaking see how it goes which, and take care. Yeah, speaking of which, I think you just answered my uh, my next question. The NGI and the TOS, you know, they're within a few months of 
each other. What's going to make the NGI different from the TOS of the summer? Um, well, everything's always going to be um, a work in progress with us, and we're always going to try to evolve and make things different and better. As for this year's Tournament of Survival and this year's NGI, um, what you're seeing that's different is um, you're seeing a little more international influx in this NGI. Um, you're going to see probably a little different attitude, um, which you know will probably be more apparent on the day of the show. Um, you're going to see some different st stipulations, probably, um, and you're going to you know you're going to see um, you're going to see probably a little more. Well, I don't want to say more. You're probably going to see a different intensity. Than you did at tournament of survival but i i wouldn't say that either event is bigger than the other um it's really just a matter of presentation and in this this year's instance there's just you know um more international talent and more international flavor so that's this year's differentiation great and uh can you tell us anything about the uh so matt tremont has announced that this is going to be his final deathmatch tournament there's been a lot of talk do you feel at liberty to kind of shed any light on the future career of Matt Tremont? Um, well, I can tell you what I know and what I believe to be true. But, I mean, of course, only Matt can speak for himself. But, you know, Matt, when, when Nick Gage went away, Matt put deathmatch wrestling in this country on his back for the most part. He wasn't the only one, but he proudly took that, that responsibility of shouldering the load and going out there and being the guy. Um, and Matt's put his body through a lot, and he's picked up a lot of accolades along the way, and he's also picked up a lot of injuries along the way. And, you know, these deathmatch tournaments are grueling, especially for guys who are doing two rounds and three rounds. And as you know, by the fact that Matt's won six of them, this guy's wrestled a lot of matches and a lot of tournaments, and his body has paid the price. So, you know, what the question is really, how much more does he have to prove by doing these deathmatch tournaments? Um, and, you know, what better way really to close it out if he wants to close out his deathmatch tournament career than here at the NGI? I mean, you're looking again at a star-studded international lineup. So if he's going to pick one to make his last tournament, why not this one? Um, so that's what I can speak on as far as his tournament career goes. As far as his entire career, I don't believe that Matt is intending to retire um, anytime um, in the immediate future. I do think that Matt is probably going to be a little more selective in his bookings, and I think he's going to um, scale back a little bit, and he wants to get more involved in promoting as well. So I don't think Matt's going anywhere but I think you're going to see him be more selective in his appearances. So awesome. That's uh, my I, take on that. Cool. I've got, I've got one last question to do with GCW in general, and then I've got just a couple wrap up questions. Uh, recently, sure. uh, uh, GCW, they just finished up the Wisconsin road trip. Uh, it was part of the, uh, the Danny Havoc retirement tour. What was it like being able to take the company and the talent on the, the road for that? Well, um, it was awesome. And um, 
this was something that had been talked about for a little while as far as Milwaukee goes. Um, you know, we had a connection there through Dysfunction, who lives in Milwaukee and runs shows in that venue, and he offered to kind of be our support system out in Milwaukee and helping us make the show happen. Um, and then pairing it with Danny Havoc, who is a Midwest born and raised as, you know, his final show with GCW and his final show in the Midwest, that putting those two together was another no-brainer. Um, and as far as the bigger picture goes, it, I mean, again, you can see, I mean, our goal is to be international and probably the first step to being international is to be national. So, you know, we had the show in Orlando earlier this year, which wasn't a deathmatch show, but again, it's out of our home base. Um, you know, we're doing Milwaukee. We'll be doing New Orleans next year. And there's other markets that are on the agenda. Um, you know, we're, we have some more plans in the Midwest that we're going to try to move on in 2018. And ultimately, at some point when the planets align, it would be great to be able to do something internationally, whether it was Mexico or Japan or who knows, somewhere else. That's going to be the, um, the end zone for us, the, the goal line. So it's going to be one step at a time and trying to take it, take it easy and being smart about it and, you know, just, just taking it one show at a time and building our fan base to the, to the point where we can support road shows. Awesome. And uh, recently you posted that you had finally gotten your promoter's license. So I want to congratulate you on that. Yeah. Um, in a nutshell, for fans who don't know, uh, what goes in, you know, what, what is the good and bad that comes with promoting a show? Okay. Well, first to kind of elaborate on the promoter's license deal. So in New, in the state of New Jersey, where, which is our home base, you don't need it. You don't need an actual promoter's license to run a show. I mean, there's always things that you're going to have to have insurance and, um, you know, a crew and the connections really to run your show, but you don't need an actual license. Uh, the license I got was a promoter's license for the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, in the state of Pennsylvania, you can't run a show without a promoter's license. So if you want to run a show there, you have to rent a license basically from somebody that does, which basically puts you um, at the end of the day, you're at somebody else's mercy. If they say no or try to run up costs on you, you kind of have no choice but to um, do what they say. So by getting this promoter's license in the state of Pennsylvania, it gives me and GCW the freedom to run our shows in Pennsylvania and do it at a, a um, at an efficient level and a cost-effective level where we kind of can control our own destiny. Um, so that's what that was. Um, uh, that's what that promoter's license is. So that first show that we ran in Pennsylvania back in June of this year, that was, you know, that was GCW, but we were, we were at, at somebody else's mercy. So now we have a little more freedom. Now there's still rules in Pennsylvania as far as blood goes and the ultra violence. But that's not our entire business. So that's that was the significance of getting that license. And it, and it was difficult. There's a lot of red tape and forms and fees and this and that and blah, 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 blah with the Athletic Commission. But it's something that's going to benefit GCW in the long term. Awesome. And uh, 
just two, two, two final questions. My one friend, I asked him because he's not so much into the death matches, but he, uh, you know, I let him borrow my my thing of the Art of War show, which had the uh, the Nick Gage Matt Riddle show on it, and he wound up walking away yep. with a really good taste from the 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 show. Do you feel that there's a way to get more traditional fans into the the, the death match wrestling? Yes, um, I think that. Deathmatch wrestling as we present it, um, well, there, there's different levels to deathmatch wrestling. And I think, and I'm not trying to be um, insulting in any way, but there's, you know, the level of deathmatch wrestling where it's, you know, a guy can pick something up and swing it at their opponent, and that's their form of deathmatch wrestling. What we do is beyond that. We're We're doing, you know, we have guys who can wrestle and they can, um, you know, do, you know, uh, whether it's aerial techniques or, um, you know, submission holds, uh, we have guys that basically can wrestle and work the deathmatch elements into their wrestling match, if that makes sense. And I think that there is an appeal to that, to the traditional fans who maybe their, their initial impression of what deathmatch or hardcore wrestling is guy picking up cookie sheet or, trash can or light tube and just swinging it without wrestling. So I think as we provide this uh, premium level of deathmatch wrestling and kind of get the traditional fans to give it another look, we might be able to snag some new fans and show them that there's more to this style than, you know, uh, swinging something and some guy bleeding. Um, so what you're seeing is in a lot again even if you we can use the art of war as an example or our show in april whether it was um whether road to survival or even if you want to go to our show in orlando joey janela spring break we're trying to provide a mix right now well yes um again the death match is where our bread and butter is but you're seeing guys like pentagon and joey janela teddy hart um ktb you're seeing a lot of straight wrestlers, quote unquote, coming into our element and they're mixing the fans is what's happening. You, we have guys that are coming to see, they're coming to see Teddy Hart and Joey Janela and KTB and the Pentagons and the Matt Riddles. And while they're coming to see those guys, they're also seeing the deathmatch side that we offer and vice versa. You're getting the deathmatch fans who are coming to see the Nick Gage and the Schlack and the Matt Tremont and the Marcus Crane. And then they're getting to see that other element, which is Teddy Hart and Joey Janela and KTB and the Pentagons and the Riddles. So we're getting a mixing of fans right now. And I'm seeing growth in our fans for every show um, as people spread the word. You know, the traditional fans are telling their traditional wrestling fan friends, yo, this was good. And you should see this deathmatch stuff they do. And vice versa, you've got the deathmatch fans telling their non-traditional uh you know their traditional wrestling fans hey um you should come check us out because there's more here going on than just death matches so we're seeing a mixing of fans and the fan base is growing and and I, I don't know if you saw the announcement we made today but we're doing a double header with beyond wrestling in october which um is going to have them running a show in the afternoon and then us doing one at night and that is going to bring a lot of new fans and a lot of new eyes into our building that day um, who, will, who will come for beyond and hopefully stay for GCW. So 
I think that there is a whole open market there. If we can just get people to give us a chance, they can see that we're presenting deathmatch wrestling in a professional way and in a different light from what the old school hardcore stereotype might be. Final question. GCW has been home to a lot of like dream matches. What match have you been most proud to be able to put together for your fans? Um, well, I would be lying if I didn't tell you that the easiest answer is probably my real answer. Um, Nick Gage versus Matt Tremont was the ultimate um, dream match in my eyes. Um, it was so many years in the making and almost happened and then didn't happen and almost happened again and didn't happen. And then again, um, I hate to keep using the phrase, but the, the planets kind of aligned and tournament of survival, it happened and you saw what happened um, and it couldn't have gone any better. And uh, I'm so proud to be able to say that we had that match um, in a GCW ring. Yeah, it was um, the... I remember on Twitter and Facebook when it was going on, the sparks were flying and the lightning was coursing and people were just like going insane that it was finally happening. It was really awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, uh, it was one thing to watch it on DVD and you could get, you know, you could get a feel of the, some of the emotions that were going on in that building. And, you know, just by turning up your volume, you can kind of hear, you know, the noise in that building, but it was another thing to be there. And as somebody, I've been in the ring for some classic death matches over the year in front of, in some of the biggest death match shows. Um, and I've, uh, I've felt death match crowds before and, um, what we had at tournament of survival when Tremont and Gage stood across the ring from each other was a feeling that I never felt at a show before period, any show. And I've been to I've been to six WrestleManias and I've been to, um, you know, um, some of the biggest independent wrestling shows that uh, over the last 10 years. And I never felt emotions in a building like, like I did when Tremont and Gage finally went one-on-one and the people that were in that building can convey that can, can, can confirm that it was, um, it was a special night and everybody that was there got to be a part of something special and everybody that got to watch it on DVD got to see magic. Awesome. You can find uh, GCW DVDs through Smart Mark Video if I was going to recommend two of them. I think the 2017 Tournament of Sur- Sur- Survival was, I don't want to say it was the best deathmatch tournament I've ever seen, but if I actually had to put pen to paper, it would be top three possibly pop top two um uh and uh, i think the art of war was a fantastic show it features nick gage versus matt riddle which is a bit of a badass dream match for me uh brett where can people find gcw online and what upcoming shows do you want to plug on as we uh finish up here sure uh well first of all anybody who wants to catch up on the gcw catalog whether it's the tournament of survival from earlier this year which had not just the, the Tremont Gage match, but also, like you mentioned, uh, Marcus Crane versus Takeda and so many other crazy matches that really got overshadowed um, because there was so many of them. It was hard for any of them to stand out as they deserved. Um, that was a crazy show. Um, and, and, and 
whether it's NG, the first NGI or anything else we've done um, since then, uh, if you want to check out those shows, you should go to smartmarkvideo.com where you can get the DVDs or Blu-rays or just stream them um, on demand. That is our official and sole distributor right now. We're, we're not available on any networks or anywhere else. You've got to go through Smartmark Video. Um, if you want to follow our news and updates, the best way to do it uh, is to follow us on Twitter, which is at GC Wrestling underscore, or to follow us on Facebook, um, which just look up Game Changer Wrestling and you'll see us. Um, and we do have an Instagram as well, um, but the um, you know our Twitter, Facebook uh, are usually our most updated, and um, that's where we usually break the most of our news. Um, our website is down right now. We're getting a new website built, but we'll, we'll always do most of our updates through social media, so that's the best way to find us. Great. And uh, what shows do you guys guys have um, have in the next few months? Okay, so we've got, of course, the Nick Gage Invitational this Saturday, Game Changer World in Howell, New Jersey. Um, one of the best lineups I think um, we've ever seen in the Deathmatch Tournament in the United States. And I think people are going to be blown away by not just our local guys, who of course are Nick Gage and and Tremont, and Marcus Crane, and G. Raver, and Schlack. But people are going to be blown away by Miedo Extremo, and people are going to be blown away by Ciclope, and people are going to be blown away by Masoka. Um, and I would say, if you're a Deathmatch fan, this is no doubt, 100%, a can't-miss show, and people are going to talk about this one for a long time. Um, in addition to this, the NGI on Saturday, we've got the doubleheader with Beyond Wrestling coming up in October, on October 28th. Also a Game Changer World will return to Allentown, Pennsylvania on November 11th. And then we'll close out the year back at Game Changer World on December 16th, uh, which will be our final show of the year. And that is what I would say people have to look forward to. Awesome. In a sea of indies, I think GCW stands out. And Brett, I'm so happy to be able to talk to you. And I hope this uh, brought a little bit of light to your uh, to your efforts. So thank you so much, Brett. Yeah, thank you for um, thanks for having me on. I'll do it anytime. Yeah.